I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I made the mistake. Nobody else made the mistake. I'm not blaming anybody else for the mistake. I'm taking ownership of the mistake. I'm going to repeat what the mistake was and why it was a mistake. To show not only that I truly am accepting blame for the mistake without making excuses but that i hope to learn from the mistake and not make it again because if we don't know why you made the mistake and if we can't admit the mistake we won't be able to stop repeating our mistakes right so i make mistakes a lot and so do most of us and often i find people aren't mad at you if, if you honestly Tell them that you understand you made a mistake and you can try not to make it again. Welcome to Headlines and Baselines, edition of Dateline New Haven and WNHHFM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make our city tick, combined with baselines from some of my favorite music, because music and arts are politics with soul. And we just finished election day. We kind of survived it. But we didn't hear a lot of I'm sorry. We didn't hear any acknowledgement of mistakes. And there were a lot of mistakes that mattered in this election. Some mattered a lot. Some mattered a little. But the thread on election day behind the headlines had to do with politicians who think it's important never to admit a mistake. That's why we keep getting more of the same. So let's run through some headlines. Let's look at mistakes and how they don't say what I said at the beginning of the show. And maybe that's why sometimes, as Bob Dylan says, everything is broken. Headlines from the New Haven Independent. Commentary on those headlines. And interludes of music. Like right now, the Afro-Semitic experience in the background is playing Eliyahu Hanavi from their CD. This is the Afro-American experience. So here is a headline, the New Haven Independent by Tom Breen. Decision delayed on Elliker Flyer Flap. Now, as usual, cover up or refusal to admit a mistake is much more important than the mistake itself, right? Mayor Justin Elliker sailed to re-election this week. And as usual, found it hard to admit even the smallest of mistakes that were not badly intentioned. And that's why our, we have such an unimaginatively run city where we don't learn enough from our mistakes to do a better job. I'll give you an example of a really small mistake that the mayor made this week. It mattered. because It matters having rules for how we do elections, for how we talk about issues, how we decide our future. The mayor gets money for the democracy fund, and he should be applauded for that. That's public financing. It's optional. You get money for the city to help run your campaign in return for limiting how much you get from individual donors and not taking money from special interests so that you can government in the public interest. Elliker broadcasts that fact. That's great. He should use it as a reason to vote for him. His opponents didn't run on it this year. 
but he doesn't follow the rules of the democracy fund and when he gets caught making a mistake which we all can make it's complicated stuff right he doesn't say i made a mistake and i'll try to do it right next time as he does so often he doubles down and blames other people and does not take responsibility for even the smallest of mistakes as though it's a crime against humanity to suggest that the Justin Elliker, mayor of New Haven, would ever make a mistake or not have a great intention or wouldn't be God's gift to management. <clears throat> okay, so let me read you this little rule that seems like not a big deal. It's really, you know, sometimes legal language is complicated, right? This legal language is not complicated. The Democracy Fund is under the city's code of ordinances, section 2-8822, subsection 10C2. Here's what the ordinance says. It says that a candidate who gets money from the democracy fund shall not make any, quote, expenditures to support or oppose any ballot measure. Close quote. So words, if you get money from the democracy fund to run for mayor, and in return for that money, you're agreeing to follow the rules, you're not going to put out a flyer that says, vote for this ballot measure. Like Elliker wanted to see charter revision passed. It was a referendum. He wanted to get four-year terms instead of two so that he has a longer time plotting his next move to his next office without having to run for mayor again. And the way when he became an alder in 2009, he immediately plotted how within three years he'd run for mayor and what you do for that. And that's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm glad that uh, I actually wanted for your terms. I didn't agree with the whole package of stuff that they rammed through the public that trying to sneakily get stuff we didn't want. But he wanted people to vote for this. So his campaign that gets money from the Democracy Fund with that really clearly spelled out rules, you don't need to have been a School of Managed graduate, Yale School of Management graduate like Justin Elliker to understand basic language like that. In fact, maybe that makes it harder because you believe you can break the rules because you're privileged and smarter than everybody else. So you don't really have to look at obvious words and follow them. The quote is, you cannot make expenditures to support or oppose any ballot measure. He used money to support a ballot measure. He didn't put out a flyer saying, I, I am for this, which you're allowed to say what you're for. He said, vote for Charter Vision. Vote for this measure. And that's all the flyer was over and over again. Vote for this. It used the imperative verb, which slam dunk. That's what we're using it for, right? So right before the election, people pointed out there was a complaint with the Democracy Fund. You know, he just broke the rules. So what Elliker say? He didn't say... I didn't mean to. It wasn't intentional. Here's the money back. I will not do it next time. He's so outraged ever and defensive about anyone suggesting he's not perfect, not the first human being or mayor in the history of the world to be perfect and never make mistakes, that he said, oh, it wasn't my fault. It was the democracy fund's fault. Remember, this guy's a mayor. He's not like some person trying to get to work at some job cleaning the streets and getting food on the table. He's the mayor. He's in charge of things. He's supposed to know how to run things or find out how to run things. So his excuse for so obviously breaking the law, very little law, not bad intention, was it's not my fault. I had someone on my staff who called the Democracy Fund and they said, can we do this? He didn't say exactly. He could put out a flyer that has a headline that's all about telling people to vote for a ballot measure. He said he got advice back saying you're allowed to say what you're for in a flyer. So he took that without double checking it to do make use of public money for a purpose that public money is not allowed to be spent for. Not a big deal, right? I'd make that mistake. We'd all make that mistake. But instead of saying, I won't do it again, that was wrong. He said, it's their fault because I secondhand got a word back that it was okay to do something that they didn't really ask exactly. Could they do it that way? So why is that a big deal? It's not a big deal about that money, though. He should repay it. And, you know, there was a last-minute push to 
sort of get people to vote for this by presenting one way without people hearing the other way that there was a reason to be against it. He got what he wanted. He'll be in, you know, if he gets one more term, he'll have that four-year window to then just focus on getting to his next election to a higher office. But it would be good if we had elected officials could say, I made a mistake. I'm sorry, because we all do. And I'm going to learn from that mistake and do better. Then maybe we wouldn't be giving these tens of millions of dollars a year in value gifts, property tax value gifts to slumlords and out-of-town investors. Maybe we would try to fix problems like that instead of saying, maybe we'd have more house inspections rather than saying, I'm doing everything, anything that doesn't go right is my is it my fault? You're wrong to ever criticize or suggest anything new. But you know, Yorma Kokonen, he was one of the great musicians of the last half century. He had a song about politicians like Justin Ellicker and others we're going to be discussing today at Headlines and Baselines. And that's in this song from his album, The Land of Heroes. It's called Judge. I'm not. Sorry. Oh, for three long years I worked two jobs night and day At the end of every week I gave her all the money I made Well, she cheated and she lied Hey, she done me wrong So just yeah, I'm not sorry I bought her a new house New clothes and a Mercedes Benz I was being such a fool Is what all my friends said Yeah, she cheated and she lied I'm not sorry She said that she loved me She said she would always But in the arms of another man Oh, in how she spent her day Oh, she cheated and she lied I'm not sorry Oh, I 
So go on and sentence me Give me life without parole Well, any life would be better Than the life I've come to know Well, she cheated and she lied yeah, she done Judge, I'm not sorry. Yorma Kokonen from his album Land of Heroes. Here on Headlines and Baselines at WNHHFM, we're looking at the latest news stories in this post-election week from the New Haven Independent, giving some commentary and some songs that seem to fit because that's in honor of Mayor Justin Elker, who in his view never makes a mistake. He's never sorry. And that's why we're unfortunately stuck for another two years of the same. He's not the only politician this week who succeeded without saying he was sorry or admitting he's a mistake. Excuse me, making a mistake. Alder Saldacola, he represents Morris Cove, has for more than a decade. He's not sorry, or he never said he was sorry. And but boy, if there's someone who should have said he's sorry and made a mistake, he sure did, then people would have sympathy with him. And the guy says he's got terminal cancer. You feel sorry for a guy like that. Well, he smashed up someone's car at night, fled the scene, hit his car, and only days later... When someone sniffed out that he was the guy and they saw his hidden car with the damage, does he suddenly talk to his buddy, the local police uh, lieutenant who runs his uh, policing district, to give his side? The police don't investigate it. They don't charge him. So it all gets exposed. And you think someone like that would at least say, hey, I'm sorry. But instead, he's mad at everybody else. He thinks it's hateful to bring up the idea that someone who's elected to office shouldn't break the law, shouldn't do it at the expense of his constituents, shouldn't hide from it, shouldn't pay any consequences. All he had to say was, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. He still can't do it. Instead, he doubled down. And not only South Dakota, the whole Democratic Party apparatus swung into his ward because they thought, here's one seat they might lose. There are 30 alders in New Haven. Democrats win every seat. They win all 30 alders, mayor, city clerk, state rep, state senator. So the worst idea in the world is that for the Democratic Party that, God forbid, one person out of 30 when they have to vote on something might not agree with them and march in lockstep and say something different. So they have to flood in and make sure a guy like Sal Decola not only gets reelected, but isn't accountable, isn't transparent, isn't honest. And he gets reelected that way. And, you know, Sal Decola says something interesting in, in the New Haven Independent article about the election. The only reason he won is he had two opponents, so they split the vote. Not the most intelligent way to take on an income. But anyway, the, uh, here's what Sal DeCola said when he won. He didn't say, okay, nobody's perfect. I'm sorry I did such a horrible thing and then did something horrible on top of that and broke the law, even though I'm supposed to be a lawmaker. I'll learn from that. We all are imperfect. He doubled down and suggested anyone suggested otherwise was a hater. Can you believe that? Here's what he said, quote, Hate doesn't work in this community, he said, by way of explaining his victory rather than one-party government steamrolls opposition and never feels it has to account for any of its actions or be held responsible. Quote, here's what Nicola said, love does work. And that shows in today's election the people voted for honesty and truthfulness. No, they voted for dishonesty and lying and covering up. But he said that's love. Well, I think the late Mac Rebenack 
understood what Sal Dakota meant by love. He was also known to millions of fans and concert goers and album buyers around the world as Dr. John. And he had a song on his album called Dr. John in a Sentimental Mood. He had a song called, that I think evokes Sal Dakota, Love for Sale. Love for Sale from the late Dr. John, a.k.a. Mac Rebenek, giving his take on what love means to politicians who can't admit they make a mistake but get reelected. Anyway, the theme of today's Headlines and Baselines edition of Dateline New Haven and WNHHFM, sorry politicians who can't get their sorry butts before the public to say, I'm sorry I made a mistake. I won't do it again. Instead, this week, the headlines were how a bunch of sorry-ass politicians got reelected by defying any notions of responsibility or accountability or transparency, which is our current situation. It wasn't just New Haven. In Derby, there was Gino Giovanni who was arrested for the break-in at the Capitol on January 6th. He wasn't sorry. Seems like a good guy, but he wasn't sorry. But he did lose the race for mayor, split the Republican vote, and got a Democrat elected. And Joe Gannam in, in Bridgeport. He's the mayor of Bridgeport. He uh, served a couple terms, went to prison for corruption, taking gifts and bribes. Never said he was sorry for that. He came back and he 
He tried to get his law license back, but because he could never bring himself to say I made a mistake in taking bribes over and over and over again and selling the government and went to prison for it, he never got his law license back because it's a little tougher than the voters when you talk about the Bar Association and their their committees they set to um, review efforts to get their licenses back. The guy wasn't sorry. He's not going to be a lawyer again, but he can be mayor again. He said, forgive me to the voters, but he didn't say forgive me for making a mistake, <laughs> except the mistake of, oh, I got caught. So Joe Canham got reelected and reelected. Now, the last something happened this week when he ran for mayor in the election. For the third straight time, he ran in a mayor election, either primary or general election, where he got more, he lost the vote at the ballot box, but then won the election because he got more votes at absentee ballots to make up for it. Now, if you get those ballots legally, that's kosher. In the last two elections, it was found after the fact that, that Ganem's campaign cheated. The same people who got caught did it again. They would bring buckets of absentee ballots in to drop in, which is illegal. That's called harvesting. Rather than have people who honestly are voting absentee and otherwise can't make it to the polls bring in their ballots themselves. So after that happened a third time, the judge said, we have to have this primary over. But it was too late, so they had an election again. And again, he, uh, <laughs> he lost at the polls to John Gomes, but won an absentee. So this, this is not over. But I guess people just can't change how they do things. You know, Politicians who think they're above the law, who think that nothing they could do the wrong could be wrong, no matter how wrong it is, with the mayor of New Haven, mayor of Bridgeport, whoever, Alder in Morris Cove, they just keep doing it. And Stevie Wonder knew all about how politicians like Joe Ganim do abs- take care of absentee ballots to steal elections. They don't give people ballots. They vote for who you want in your privacy. Send your own ballot in. On a mass level, as Stevie Wonder saying, the ballots are signed, sealed, and delivered.
Signed, sealed, delivered, I'm yours. That's how Joe Bannum's, Bannum's crew does their harvested absentee ballots in Bridgeport, and that's Stevie Wonder singing about in his classic single, Motown Chartbusters Collection. Here on WNHHFM, Dateline New Haven, we're doing headlines and baselines, election week headlines from the New Haven Independent about sorry-ass politicians who can't say they're sorry, so then we re-elect them to keep on making us sorry. Can't admit they make a mistake. And uh, 103.5 FM, we're live streamed on newhavenbin.org. There was a, someone running for office this week in New Haven who did say he was sorry. He did say he made a mistake. So, of course, he lost because you don't win uh, running for office in New Haven that way. Anthony Acri was uh, running for city town clerk, which really, I don't know why that's an elected position to begin with, like who... You know, turning in legal documents for liens and property sales, getting dog licenses. But he ran for the Republican Party, which basically we have minus five Republicans in New Haven, so it wasn't going to be likely you won. And Anthony spent three years in a federal prison camp in Maryland for conspiracy to commit wire fraud. He pleaded guilty. He said, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. And uh, Anthony spoke about that openly with Nora Grace Flood of New Haven Independence. He wrote a preview article. He didn't hide. He didn't make excuses. Unlike Mayor Justin Elliker, when he breaks the law, he didn't say, oh, but somebody else told me it was okay, so therefore I broke the law and I shouldn't be always, I didn't really break the law and I didn't do anything wrong. You know, the charter says the Board of Alders gets to approve or disapprove my appointments, but if they vote no, I can still keep them there forever because it's not my fault, it's their fault because they said no. Or if I get public money with a rule that it can only be for my campaign, it can't be to help pass a ballot measure, I can then send out a flyer telling anyone to vote for the Bob measure. Well, it's not my fault because someone I know told me they asked someone else their opinion about something in general. And then if her, I thought it was okay, so therefore I didn't do anything wrong. Anthony Ackley did something wrong. He uh, bribed a contractor. He was contra- a project manager for U.S. Army Corps engineer. And he bribed actually the government to win construction projects. So he talked about openly with Norgris. It's a really good story with Norgris Flood. He said, quote, I, when he was in prison, I got a better appreciation of people who are working hard in the streets to support their family. That's what he said. It changed my perspective on what life is really about. Acri said, it's not about big business and major networks and building big contracts. It's really about everyday life. Or as Marie Knight put it in her really classic tribute to Reverend Gary Davis, let us get together. Marie Knight said, you know what it's about? You can admit your mistakes and then, Lord, you keep going. I feel like going on. Lord, I feel like going on. I feel, Lord, like going on. I done come this far, and I don't find no fault. Lord, I feel like going on. Lord, I feel like going on. Oh, I feel like going on. I done come this far, and I find no fault. Lord, I feel like going on. Going on, oh, I feel 
standing on my way Every day, every day, Lord, I feel like going on I feel like going on Feel like going on. Marie Knight. Uh, headlines of baselines, New Haven Independence, WNHHFM State Line, New Haven. Lord made a mistake. We all make mistakes. We admit the mistakes. We learn from move on. Unless we run for office in Connecticut and New Haven, especially, then you never make you make a mistake. You just use raw power to dig in deeper and run a city for your own benefit without any accountability or transparency, which we saw this week when we changed the government in a way to make that even truer, make it easier for politicians not to have to face voters or be transparent. Charter reform passed this week. We, we, once every 10 years, we vote about whether to update our charter, which is like our constitution for running the municipal government. And the Board of Alders majority, remember they're all Democrats, they're mostly majority union affiliated, which is cool, we like unions, right? But they have their agenda and they never kind of feel because they don't get challenged much they never really feel they have to answer questions they don't feel about like it. When they debate an issue, they do it behind closed doors. And they shut down people in their own ranks if they try to debate something and disagree with them, even in a public meeting. And if somebody challenges them for office and runs against them, they think that's some kind of treason. And given how little they're challenged when they run every two years, they just pour into a neighbor like Morris Cove or someone who's obviously unfit for office because he breaks the law covers it up, lies about it, and then can't come clean or even apologize or say he made a mistake. They just make sure these people are elected. So this Tuesday, they knew that the city voters would never say, well, why don't you serve four-year terms as alder instead of two? Given that you almost never have challenges, it makes it even harder that once you're in, like nobody can vote you out. You never have really talked to us. You don't have to answer our questions. You don't have to face us. You don't have to listen to other opinions. You could just sit there pretty. They consider that power. They increase their power by getting their terms increased to four years. And the way they did is they didn't put a ballot question that said, hey, voters, do you want to give Alders four-year terms? Because they would never say yes. So they tucked it into a whole bunch of ballot changes that made a lot of sense, like updating the language, making gender neutral, updating the rules for how boards and commissions work, kind of stuff no one could be against, right? And then four-year terms for mayor, which is more controversial, but more people, people generally feel like, like a U.S. president, like a governor, the mayor of a city who's an executive that hires a team to carry out policy, and run a city needs four years rather than two, so not always running for re-election. What people don't think is that alders, the, like U.S. congressmen, the House of Representatives, or U state representatives, that they should have four-year terms because they don't do that. They're supposed to be a check on government. They're closer to the people. They have smaller districts. This is our chance to say, well, if the city's not moving in the right direction, we at least every two years can weigh in. Now we can't because they tucked that change into the referendum so that if you're for the other stuff, if you don't pay attention, this bitter pill that nobody would want to swallow gets swallowed. 
So now the alders feel that they've increased their power, but they really misunderstand their power. Their power is to use the laws they have and the leverage to carry out a good agenda, to be in touch with the people and make it a better city. Because it's not having to run every two years and once in a while have an opponent and make that case in here because this does make you less powerful. It's what you do with the power. For a long time, the board alders didn't use that power. They let the executive branch run roughshod over the city and do whatever it wanted without a check. The board alders got a union affiliated majority in the 2011 elections that at first really did have a set of issues like community policing and that they decided to use their leverage in order to have a check on government so that they recently saved us from having the Proud Boys, for instance, running our police department because they gave themselves the power to reject or accept mayoral appointments, the top jobs. That's good stuff. But just tucking yourself more into power away from the people to continue to feel like you should have your conversations in private and not explain your actions, to not feel like you have responsibility to tell the public or the press what you're doing and why, but sneaking through a measure so that you don't have to, God forbid, run for office more regularly and explain what you're doing. I mean, it's always a democracy. That's what they voted for. So, you know, the authors really have a choice every day. Do they want to use their position and their power to make New Haven a better place? Or do they want to be non-transparent, unaccountable group that Aretha Franklin dubbed a chain of fools?
Chain, chain, chain. Will we ever break that chain that has have a government of fools who are unaccountable, feel like they don't have to tell us what they're up to, or are we going to demand a better government? We're looking at that today in headlines and datelines uh, on WNHHF. Head, headlines and, and baselines on Dateline New Haven, WNHHFM. Politicians who can't say they're sorry, feel, can't say they made a mistake, and they learn from it and do better. Don't feel they have to answer to the public. Stick things through. You know, we just talked about the charter revision that passed this week in New Haven that the alders were for. There was a lot in that charter that people thought was a good idea, that charter referendum amendment. And if you looked, if you read the New Haven Independent stories on it, which is the only place you could really debate it, we had good arguments pro and con. It wasn't a simple slam dunk. I mean, slam dunk, you shouldn't give alders four years. But, you know, the other measures were important, whether you overall should have voted for something that makes good changes. If you read the comments in the Independent, you would think the thing had no chance of passing. I was fooled by that, even though I know that commenters to any website, who it's great that they comment and care about what happens in the city, don't necessarily reflect how a vote's going to go and what does that mean. So overwhelmingly, our, our commenters were against it, but it passed almost two to one. So the city went for it. They were convinced it was a good idea. That doesn't make people stupid or bad. It means they had a different opinion. So what does that mean about commenters? Does it mean that people who are motivated to comment aren't happy with the status quo so they're not going to make a change that strengthens the status quo that was mayor justin elliker's reasoning he said election night the fact that they let us have four-year terms when that's been tried before and failed means they're happy with the direction of the city other people say a lot of people don't pay attention because anyone who does pay attention is not happy with this with how things are going and but there are always going to be some people aren't happy because they're winners and losers in public decisions right and in life who sometimes take their failures and direct it to politicians and others instead of examining their own failures or genuinely aren't benefiting from policies that some people benefit from and not others. So it could be that the people pay closer attention and comment on articles and have a stake don't represent the broader population because most people are happy with things and they're just more motivated because they're not. Or it could be that most people don't pay attention to local politics, but those who do read the New Haven Independent and those who care most Comment on it, and when you pay attention, the status quo isn't looking as good. Leave that up for you. Maybe it should be a true vote one day. But there was some happy news this week. A great happy birthday party on the 31st. Lucy Gilman wrote a nice piece about it. Happy birthday, Bitsy Clark. Bergamo's Community Theater held the birthday party. 92-year-old Bitsy Clark, who for decades ran the Arts Council and really helped usher in New Haven's cultural renaissance, along with a lot of other people. And always had that positive energy. Always thought ideas were possible, better world was possible you can look at the good in people rather than focusing on the bad she was an alder and she loved she would like invite an opponent who had no chance when she's an alder to debate with her so people could hear all sides gary winfield before he became state senator ran against bitsy for alder in the city he didn't have much chance because the party apparatus was for bitsy and she said everyone should hear from you and what you think you sound like a smart guy organized and asked for a debate but anyway she did so much for the arts at the party this week um, at Bergamos, they're giving out money from a fund that was set up in her name for um, a fund for artists that keeps her artwork going. Raphael Ramos said, I love her, really. She's like the goddess of the arts. And as Grandmaster Flash in the Furious Five would basically put it, this goes out to Bitsy Clark. Happy birthday, birthday party. Happy birthday! 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 Happ
Happy birthday, Bitsy Clark. That's birthday party from Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five goes out to the headline, Happy Birthday, Bitsy Clark, in the arts paper. This is Headlines and Baselines, WNHHFM, New Haven's home for community radio, where we give the latest headlines and the music that goes with it. One headline, my favorite election story, actually, of all the many good ones in New Haven Independent, there's so many, was came out after the election. It was by Tom Breen. It's called Mike P. Skips Polls, comma, Heads to Scrapyard. Tom went around asking voters, asking people on the street, who are you voting for on election day? He ran into Mike P., who was homeless, recently got out of prison. He did have to say he made a mistake, unlike politicians who run for office. And he was heading for a scrapyard. He wasn't going to be voting. He was hoping to score 20 bucks. He slept on the green the overnight. It was cold. And uh, he was hoping to get 20 bucks and get him to the next day at the scrapyard, Alderman Dow, right off of Chapel and, and um, E Street. And he wasn't voting, but he said this. He said, I hope whoever gets elected will do something about homelessness because homelessness is growing. You know, we have a really great homeless department in the city that's trying to work on solutions. We have a homeless commission where people volunteer their time trying to come up with solutions. I don't think there are bad guys in this picture. It's just that, you know, all these people running for office and using their muscle to keep out of opposing views and never admitting they make a mistake. If they want to be serious and do something right, they'll listen to Mike P. And in tackling these big issues, be thoughtful about it and hear other points of view about it. the tiny houses work, the shelters being bought, built on Rosette Street. Will safe injection sites, can we talk about that intelligently and humanely about whether that both protect neighborhoods and help people who are on the skids? Will this uh, days in non-congress shelter when we took an old hotel, will that help out? The strong school, sort of half shelter, half warming center. You know, with some humility, I think we can... Uh, you know, here's what Mike said. Mike P., all the shelters are full. Winter's almost here when it gets this temperature. You can't be outside. You'll freeze to death. Right now, he's trying to get himself a tent so he can sleep outside, at least to be covered. Right now, he's got his, quote, a blanket and a very thin sheet. I think that we can't talk about problems. There aren't easy solutions. It begins with voting out sorry-ass politicians and getting humble, smart people who are in public service for the right reason, which is to try to come up with solutions together to our challenges, there can be a better day ahead. We can wake up one morning the way Bob Dylan did on my favorite album ever he put out in 1970 and imagine that it is a new morning. Automobile 
coming into style Coming down the road for a country mile or two So happy just to see you smile Underneath the sky blue On this We will wake up one day. We're going to say it's a new morning. All those sorry-ass politicians who can never say they're sorry, can never admit a mistake, the way we all make mistakes, learn from them, try to do better, think beyond their own personal conceptions of power, about how to actually use power that we invest in them to make a better city. It'll be a better day. Thanks for joining me on Headlines and Baselines, edition of Dateline New Haven. WNHHFM. Thanks to Harry Dross, the magic man behind the controls, gets us to every corner of the multiverse. We're going to take it out with the Afro Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day, all night. And all weekend long on WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio.